You're listening to the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the place where you as a dad will gain more tools for your fathering toolbox and where moms and daughters are also invited to listen into the conversation. Now, here is your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. And if you're a father who's ready to add more tools to your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. And even though I specialize in the father-daughter relationship, you know that these tools also work with your sons. And the reason for that is because it's all about you as a dad becoming more equipped so that you can intentionally and consistently pursue the heart of your daughters and your sons. Well, to begin with, you know the template that guides the conversation every week. On your mark, get set, go. So dad, envision yourself standing side by side other dads getting ready to run your fathering race this week. I'm on the sidelines as your coach cheering you on and saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set, filling that in with stories and stats. And go is always your practical action steps so that you can put your love for your kids into action this week. Well, today I have a guest coach joining me who I'm actually calling my new BFF here at the National Religious Broadcasters Conference in Nashville, where we have bonded very fast over being raw and real. And I love women like that, that know who they are, whose they are, and they're courageously willing to tell their story. Her name is Dawn Ray May, and she is a longtime Middle Tennessee resident and a well-known ministry and broadcast personality. She has been with Moody Radio in Nashville for over a decade and has hosted the national morning show program for Moody Radio for three years called Don and Steve in the Morning, which I actually had the privilege of being on this week with them. And that's where, like I said, Don and I connected. She and her husband, Ben, have three kids. Two of them are daughters and a dog that she affectionately calls Pepper. And her whole face lights up when she talks about that little bumpkin. Dogs have a way of doing that, don't they? Well, I'm grateful that she's here today. Welcome, Don Ray May. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. What an honor, honestly. I appreciate oh. the privilege to come and be on your show or well, your podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Well, when I asked you if you had a dad story, what does this go back, what, three weeks or something? Here were your first words. Do you remember what they were? You said, you typed this out. You said, well, mine is not a happy dad story. To which I said, okay, that's okay. If you're willing to share it with me and my listeners, I'm all in. If you're willing to tell your story courageously, I'm willing to hear it. And that's where we're going to go today, aren't we? Yes, ma'am. To the raw and real place. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, on your mark today, here's the name of this conversation is when a daughter loses her dad to suicide. Okay, that really sets the stage for where we're going. Okay, now get set. Here we go, Don Ray. Okay, I decided not to mince words, as you could tell with that title. And though it's clear and blunt, could you set the foundation today for this whole part of your life story? We can probably start uh, the day that I found my daddy. 
He had moved to Middle Tennessee to be by me and my family. He was getting older. He had no one else in his life, so he left our hometown of 55 years. He had lived in our town. I didn't ever think that he would leave. And where was that? How far from Tennessee? Uh, it's just under four hours oh, okay. so in Kentucky. of a ways away that you don't just pop over for a no, visit. No, okay. no. So in his health, he had some challenges. He needed to be near someone who would care for him. And we had invited him multiple times to move to Tennessee. He did, which I thought was nothing short of miraculous since right. he didn't walk with the Lord. He would say that he was an atheist and it would take God moving him. So I still knew that the Lord had moved him to okay. Middle Tennessee. He finds a place. We find him a place to live. And this is when did you say? This all went down in 2018. Okay. Pre-pandemic. 2018. Okay. Yes. Pre-pandemic. And um, he did have a lot of health issues. But Daddy had told me for years, at least five that I know of, if I ever get to a place where I cannot care for myself, I will take care of it myself. And oh, he, there's a sentence. It, yeah, it was really, in, we're unpacking that one in counseling quite a bit. Yeah, But yeah. he had said that, and I just would always say to him, Daddy, that's not the way this goes. And we don't have the end of our lives in our control that, yeah. yeah. And because he didn't believe in the Lord, then he would say, I will take care of myself as long as I can get to, can, how raw can I be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be raw. Come okay. On. As long as I can get to my gun. I will take care of it myself. And okay. he would tell me this and his sister this. And his sister is a believer older than he. Okay. She's in her 80s. She is a, a marvelous woman of God. She and I would um, often pray together over how to respond to some of the things that he would do and, and say. And this is something he said for years? He had said it for at least five years that I can remember. So, right. so all those years, you're like, if he's saying it to multiple people multiple times, you know, again, as a therapist, mm -hmm. I understand that we take those those things seriously. Mm -hmm. Someone's not just kidding around. M no. This is right. what's inside them that's being spoken. Mm -hmm. Okay, so keep going. Well, at one point, he had actually been hospitalized for a TIA, trans ischemia attack, which would be a precursor to a stroke. And at that point, I actually went into his home and I got his guns out and I put them in the trunk of my car because I knew his biggest fear was having a massive stroke. His daddy oh, had a stroke. Okay. He was very concerned that it would incapacitate him. He made it to the hospital in plenty of time. They gave him the medicine that he needed. So he came out of that just fine. And when he did, he kind of had a new lease on life. But that would happen often to him. I knew he was depressed, but I also knew he was by family. He right. had a great relationship with our youngest daughter. He very much thought highly of her. And she's 15 right now at the airing of this podcast. She's 15 and they would make plans and hang out. He would be there for her. So I always thought he had something to live for. He and I look at life very differently. So he gets out of this particular instance health-wise I actually do put the guns back in his home because I know that there's going to be heck to pay if he uh. comes home and cannot find his firearms. Um, so we go through several weeks and everything as well. It would culminate ultimately in a time where I was exposed to um, coronavirus and okay. I had it, at the time we were quarantining 14 days mm -hmm. I he was I had COVID too and I was quarantined 14 days I you remember, remember that at the beginning yeah at the beginning that was the recommendation and he was very very afraid of COVID mm. he had many health I mentioned the health complications he thought if he got it it would take his life I see and um so 
I got COVID. I explained to him, I am not coming by you right now because I've been exposed. I need the 14 days. I know you want me to honor that. So I'm going to, in, in this period of time, his depression must have escalated because I would talk to him on the phone. I mean, we didn't live but a mile apart, but I wouldn't go over there because of his fear of COVID. And I wanted to respect that. We would end up coming to the end of that time. It was Sunday, my last day to be quarantined. And he actually came over to our house that weekend. We had friends in from out of town. If you remember, end of October, it's always Halloween weekend. Right. Uh, They were there having dinner. He came by. He sat down for a minute. He talked and he said, well, Tuesday's a big day. And we kind of looked at each other and looked at him, and he was very, very concerned about the upcoming presidential election. Okay. Very, very concerned. As as concerned about that as he was the the pandemic. I see. So when he brought it to our attention, what he was referencing, we said, oh, yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be what it... It, it is, is what it is. We, yeah. 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 We, you know, you it always is what it is, yeah. right? You can't put all your eggs Comes in a political basket. Right, right. That's not the way he would see life again. I see. Okay. So we, um, I saw him on a Saturday. Sunday, I spoke with him on the telephone and said, hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not walking very well today. I said, let me bring you some food. No, 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 no. I'm okay. I said, dad, I can come right over. And he he stiffed on me again and said, no, it's okay. And I said, he said, my back is really hurting. And it was one of these things. This is a really long, I mean, you can but, tell but there's details here, yeah, right? And, and it is probably one of those things. Cause again, my parents in their eighties, you know, this is just kind of normal life, right? To hear different aches and pains and things going sideways. He would say that Meaning too. you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been alarming no. you to hear these things. It wouldn't, even though if I'll backtrack to August, so this is end of October, right. August, he actually called my husband. I was at work. He called my husband who was working from home and said, I need to come talk to you. He came to the driveway. Ben went out, got in the car. They talked for about an hour and daddy said, I'm going to take my own life and oh. I want you to take care of Dawn. And your husband didn't tell my you that? My husband called me the minute okay, he got out of the on. car. Okay, good, good, solid relationship there. I no went secrets. tearing out of work. I okay. work about 30 minutes away, and I went straight to his townhouse and sat and talked and cried with him for over an hour and said, you can't do this. Okay, so this is, is really important to set kind of the kind of set the stage or the foundation for what happened then in the next yes. few months. Okay, yes. so going back to October... Sunday. Yep. Nope. I don't need any food. Yes. So Monday morning, I go to check. I check on him. I'm at work and I'm texting him, and I said, "How are you?" He didn't answer me, as I recall, and or no, he did answer me. One line, you know, like fair to Midland or so so kind of thing. But again, nothing to be alarming. Nothing that was out of the ordinary. Nothing. And then I start getting texts from my aunt, the same one I was telling you about. And then I got a call later from a friend of his in Kentucky who he would speak with regularly. And she said, I'm not able to get a hold of your dad. Do you know what's going on? And I said, I really don't, but I'm on my way over there as soon as I can. Well, I had a doctor's appointment that day. So as soon as I left the doctor's appointment I ran home and I said to my husband hey I'm gonna go check on daddy um should I go pick up Hannah from school and then just take her with or what should I do and he said well no she's got an hour left of school but you're not going to your dad's alone 
And oh. I said, well, okay, but I'm not waiting on you to get off work. I need to go right now. And he said, okay, because I was afraid daddy had fallen. You know, he said okay. he wasn't walking that makes well, sense. Yeah. things like that. So he said, well, I'll just go with you. So we go running over to daddy's and I hit, I have a garage door opener to his townhouse uh-huh. and I hit the garage door opener and the door raises and I see my daddy and I look and at first I think he's fallen. Oh, right. Cause that's and what you thought. Had I happened did. Before and you so went. I start to take a step into the garage and then I start. S- yeah. Then the you scene see. starts coming together okay. for me. And I, Ben is yelling, close the garage door, close the garage door, close the garage door. Oh, so, so you we were with back. your husband. Yeah. He okay. went with me. Okay. Yeah. So I step back and I close the garage door and I'm, I'm basically just screaming as I recall. Yes. yes. And, and I, I think he, I don't even remember who called 911, but one of us, I think I did. I called 911 okay. and said, I just found my daddy in his garage. I, I think he sh- shot himself. I, oh, I need. I just need, like, I'm stuttering. And And had you ever envisioned that you'd be making a call like that with, you know, five years? Even if he said it, I so totally didn't believe he would actually do it. No, I wouldn't. And and it's not because all of the signs weren't there as far as depression and things like that. But there, I mean, why would you do that when you have a daughter that loves you and and lives in the same town? That you're close to. A daughter, a granddaughter. People that invite you to go do things, even though you say no all the time. I mean, why? In my mind, the yes, reality in, in my mind was so different than the reality in his. And part of it is me being a Christ follower and him not being a Christ follower. So I always had hope. Yeah. And he did not. And yet, let's be honest. I, again, as a clinician, I've had Christ followers. Oh, sure. Still be yes, suicidal. Absolutely. And take their lives. Yes. That they can't get to that hope sometimes when the depression right. and the darkness just closes Close in. in. Mm-hmm. And so let me just check in. What's that feeling like? Because this, right, is the first time you're telling the story publicly like this? Publicly, yes. Yes. You know, obviously, therapist. to, to <laughs> yes, friends. But yeah. but what is what is going on inside of you now telling the story? I'm thinking, oh, inside me at Just the moment. Just right now sitting here. I still, I still grieve over the fact that he just thought that nothing else was worth living for. No one else was worth living for. And how does that personally tie to you? As a daughter. As a daughter. It makes me very, very sad and angry. Two sides of the same coin. Yes. Sad and mad. So angry. Which side it flips on in the moment. It is. Uh, How could you leave your family? Uh How could you do it in this way? And as my counselor will say, you know, it'd be one thing if he if he died of cancer, if he died of a heart attack, if he died of a stroke, if he died Uh of natural causes. Uh But to live the life and have the relationship that I always wanted, that I always told myself was there that wasn't, uh-huh. for him to have this last, yes, one of my family, well, my husband said, it's like he's flipping us off all the way to the grave because mm. of the way he decided to take things into his own hands. Right. And was he not a part of your life? You talked about him moving there. What's... Go all the way back. Was your dad in your life through throughout yeah, your life? Yes, yes. Parents stayed married? No, no. I was nine when they divorced. They stayed in the same town. Okay. Daddy had um, visitation with us on two, every other Tuesday. No, Tuesdays and every other weekend. But that didn't always stick. And how many kids? 
How two many of siblings? Us. Okay, so the two of you mm-hmm. would go. Mm-hmm. Sister or brother? Brother. Okay, so you have someone that you can, even through this process, talk with? No. Or not so Kev, much? My brother passed away 17 years ago, which also was somewhat under the influence of my daddy. Because Kevin, my brother, wanted, he really thought the Lord had called him to be a pastor. And he wanted to go to Bible college. And my daddy wasn't having any of it. And basically just threw down the gauntlet and said, if you follow what you want to do, then I'll have nothing to do with you. And Kevin just really, he, uh, you know, you could say he caved. I don't mean it that dis, but kind of spiraled. It's not a desensitive, desensitized reaction. He just decided that he didn't want that kind of negative relationship with daddy. So he did not follow what the Lord had put in his heart to do. And he then spiraled downhill very quickly and three years later would be gone he had taken a fistful of pills and when he um, when his body was trying to get rid of the poison he threw up and then he aspirated I see and he passed away um, wow so so yeah. you've so got you've got there's so nobody. much yeah. right so a brother a sibling and a dad mm-hmm. who both in essence took their lives mm-hmm. and you're dealing with the aftermath Wow, well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to keep talking with my friend, my new friend, my courageous friend, Don Ray May, who's willing to share what it's like as a daughter to be left after her dad took his own life. We'll be right back. Are you a dad who has ever desired a deeper connection with your daughter, but haven't known how to go about it? Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters is the very resource you need. Dr. Michelle wrote it with you dads in mind. This book will support you with scripted questions, equip you to decode your daughter, and inspire you with stories of other dads and daughters. Don't wait any longer to be the hero you want to be and that your daughter needs you to be. So to let the talking begin, head on over to drmichellewatson.com forward slash books and order your copy today. This book will become a favorite in your fathering toolbox and will give you the answers you've been looking for. That's drmichellewatson.com forward slash books. Now, back to the Dad Whisperer podcast. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the Dad Whisperer, here talking with Don Ray May. Don Ray, there's a good old Southern name, right? And we're talking about when a daughter loses her dad to suicide. Can you now talk about the emotional aftermath? You just talked about sad and mad. Take us into what it's really like day to day. Are you having flashbacks, nightmares of that scene? Um, Regret, things you wish you would have said. We talk about survivor guilt, things on this side of it. Take us into the emotional side if you could. There's many things that come to my mind when you ask that question. One of them was out of the gate when I started into counseling after this. So my counselor said something about the survivor's guilt and how common that is. And I have to tell you, Michelle, I actually was thankful 
that I felt like I had done everything I could do. And I know that almost sounds arrogant, but it really isn't. I wanted this relationship with my daddy for all my life so badly that I pulled him super close when he moved to, to Tennessee. And I went to every doctor's appointment. I still have the notes in my phone where I would, you know, take notes. And, and you've gone back to those, haven't you, uh, to read them? Well, no. I only have seen the doctor's names, and then I fought with myself whether it's time to delete them or not. But I don't think I can yet because there are some things that I'm trying not to do while I'm still yeah. not in a healthy place emotionally. Right, right. Making those kinds of decisions. Correct. Maybe you t- turn them over to your husband so they're not he's done there, a lot. but they're still there. He's yeah. been, he's, my husband has been wonderful. There are certain things though that still have to be done that I won't do until I'm thinking clearly. And right now yeah. I'm, I'm not always yeah. thinking clearly about things, mm-hmm. but I was grateful that I had made the effort to yeah. do what I could for daddy while yeah. he was here. Yeah. So that, part I don't have to necessarily go down the that path I do have to go down the path of what I always wanted as a daughter Mm. from my daddy to love me unconditionally to be there to not criticize to not tear down to not always find fault dad would lay awake at night and pick either one of my kids my husband or myself to come up with the latest flaw Mm. and he would you know, I need to talk to you almost every day. As in a text, you mean? No. Well, or we or bought a house together oh, at one point, okay. right, in 2019 so that we could be together under one roof. So if he fell or something oh. happened in the middle of the night, we would be there to get uh-huh. him to the hospital, things uh-huh. like that. So he, I was always there for him. And yeah. he could say if he needed to talk to me, I, I would just walk into Got his it. office and I could. And Listen. you would hear what percentage of the time was it positive? What percentage of the time was it negative, critical, condescending? Um, negative, critical, and condescending is what I know. That's all you know. That is all I know. So you're unpacking that, the yes. layers here. Yes. That's and why I say it's such a big story. Like it goes y- back to. Yes. Yeah. And yet, you know, I think even as we're having this conversation today, and I think about dads that are listening, that maybe have a daughter who's suicidal and doesn't know what to do, or maybe he himself says, I don't know that life is worth living. I want those dads to hear your story from the other side, if you will, of the grave. Mm-hmm. Like what you're left carrying. And it is all the messages you were given, all the experiences. And dad, this is really a legacy conversation. We're all going to die one way or the other. Like right. you said, your daddy chose to take his life. But what do you want your daughter to replay and remember and revisit after you're gone? Because she will one way or the other. And you know, one of the things that you said as we were just preparing for this conversation, I want to read back to you what you wrote to me. Here's how you said it. Yes, there's a lot of how not to be a dad in my life story, but my heavenly father honestly has kept me sane. Okay, so my two questions with that, with that beautiful statement are one, was it ever hard to connect with God as a father when you'd had so much uh, uh, can I say just say trauma or challenges with your earthly dad? And two, how has God your father kept you sane? The first part, I had a really difficult time, especially in my younger years, elementary, middle school, high school. I believe it would be college when I would hear someone address that very thought 
that it's difficult if you have a challenging earthly father to ascribe to Abba Father. And somehow that made such good sense to me Uh in that moment. And my prayer has been since. I I still don't get it completely, but I will say, I know you're my father and I know you're perfect. Help me to understand that the way only you can help me to understand that. Because I do look at it through the lens of my experience. Right. Fair. Okay. God is so faithful and staying in his word honestly is the way that he through his spirit has kept me sane the peace that passes understanding in Philippians 4 and having the mind of Christ you're like not the mind of myself or my dad's mindset Mm -hmm. or the things he's put in my mind yes I need a different mind I need a renewed mind because if we're in a fallen world and we realize that this is of the enemy not that because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh If that's true, and everything, the tape that I play in my mind is down that path of destruction and death and being destroyed, then I recognize that is not truth. And then I go back to a passage like Philippians 4 that is packed with truth, Mm -hmm. that the Lord is near. And if he is my Abba Father, Uh then I don't have to be anxious. And when those moments come, I go back to that truth. And as one friend said, connect those dots and realize because the Lord is near is why I don't have to be anxious. Yeah. I can stand and know that the peace of Christ will help me get past even what I understand. Right. We don't have the mind of the Lord. Right. But we do have the spirit of the Lord. Yeah. And don't you love the fact that if Jesus says, I'm only here so you can know my dad. Yeah. That all those things that you're saying that are true about Jesus is near. You're like, God is my father is near, even though my earthly father was so far, whether it was physically far or whether it was just mentally far Mm. or you couldn't really reach him emotionally. No. And right. Like, okay. I, I wish we could talk so much longer, but I, my guess would be one, your dad had so much brokenness in his own story. That that's true. what he brought to fathering and that it wasn't about you, but you got that overflow. So dad, if you're listening and you got stuff, I mean, we all have stuff, but find someone that can walk with you through it. So you get it out so that it doesn't just get visited on your children. And number two, I would say the thing that comes to mind is that, that kind of comes to mind to ask you actually, Don, is if your dad was sitting here right now, what would you say to him? I think I would say the same thing that I said to him in August, and that is, don't leave me. Wow. Don't I'm leave not me. ready to do life without my daddy. I still need you. Doesn't matter that I'm, how old are you? Yeah, 54. <laughs> so some people might say, oh, you're, yeah. you're married, you're an adult. Look at that. Brings tears. Don't leave me. Dad, Don Ray is saying the same thing that your daughter is saying. Yeah. Don't leave me. Even in a dysfunctional relationship, he's still my daddy. And I still appreciated the strengths that he had, the things that I could learn from that were good. And though right now I remember the bad, I know there'll be a day that I come out on the other side and I can remember the good again. But just having him in my life, in proximity, that I did not get like that in my youth was such a gift to me. And to have him say, yes, I'm here, but it's not enough and leave me in the way that he did. My response to him right now would be, don't leave me. Okay. Dads, do you hear that? 
I mean, I wish you could see Dawn Ray right now because her eyes are welling up with tears. Her face is, is telling the story. And I so appreciate you unpacking this. I've got one last question for you. I love to end with a ghost step so that dad's listening have a practical way to put that theme into action. So if you were sitting across from a dad listening right now who maybe doesn't feel like he, he has much reason to live, he's made a lot of mistakes, not only in his relationship with her, but maybe in life, what would you tell that dad to do today to strengthen his relationship with his daughter now? I think I'd do a twofold reply to that. One, if you're really struggling and you really think you have nothing to offer, would you bow your knee before the Lord right now? And if you don't have a relationship with him, honestly, start that today. Just repent of your sin and ask the Lord because he's given you life. He created you with purpose. And I promise you he has a purpose for you. And then the second thing that I would ask um, you as a dad to realize is by position, you already have a, an authority, not not like the authoritarian, but you have an authority in your daughter's life that she craves, that she desires. There's a connection there. We need yes. our guys. We need our dads to be dads. And if that is loving your daughter, looking at her, here's the one thing I can say about daddy. He, I, I work in Christian broadcasting. You asked me if there was a positive thing. He he could he could tear me asunder. But if he met you, he uh-huh. would say, "Hey, Don, tell her tell her what you do. Tell her what you do." He was so proud, proud of you. Yeah, he was really proud. He just yeah. didn't really know how to affirm. Right. But he was very proud. I carry that with me. Like I have a little gold star <laughs> kind of in my heart yeah. that says, in the way that he could, he was proud of his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. So your daughter, because of your position as yes. her daddy, really does have an affinity. And there, listen, if the the Lord says he can restore what the locusts have eaten, trust him in that. Okay. Believe him. There you go. Don Ray May, it has been awesome to be with you here today. Thank you for sharing your story and being so courageous. Thank you for asking. Your courage touches my heart, and I know those listening feel it too through the airwaves. On Your Mark today has been when a daughter loses her dad to suicide. You've heard from Don Ray May. She shared her story, and I trust that it encourages you, Dad, to reach out to your daughter, affirm her, find a way to touch her heart today. And as always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com and find free resources. You can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs as well. Remember, you can subscribe to the Dad Whisper podcast on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher, where you can listen back or share them with your friends. Well, this wraps up another week's program. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the Dad Whisper, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go Dads! Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Dad Whisperer podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. We trust you've been encouraged by today's program, where you've been equipped with practical action steps to strengthen your relationships. Dr. Michelle loves hearing from you, so why not write her at drmichelle@thedadwhisperer.com. As always, you can listen to the Dad Whisperer podcast anytime on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Give a listen, subscribe, and leave us a review. 
For free resources or to invite Dr. Michelle to speak at your next event, go to drmichellewatson.com for more information. That's drmichellewatson.com. Thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to you joining us again on the Dad Whisperer podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield.